0: Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super-fast three-player online poker set-and-go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.
1: Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 121 on the OneHour.com podcast sponsored by America'sCardRoom.com. If you want 27% rate back from America'sCardRoom.com, Simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the ads or banners on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group facebook.com slash groups slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on the OneOuter.com website and via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for the show, then email questions at OneOuter.com or tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, episode one two one. You are back. Um, anyone following Alex on social media? That I know he's been pulling a lot of all nighters and stuff, and um, burning the candle at both ends, as they say. I'm getting all the work in, so he's had a sleep, and he's recharged, and he's raring to go.
2: Yes, sir. I am back. It's been a. It's been an interesting week. Uh, I, I kind of measure my weeks like between what I tell you all on the podcast and uh, uh, the last time we spoke, I did this thing where I said, well, I mean, I'll do, usually people get weird about talking with money. I'll just talk about money, okay? I, I, was, I said I'm going to make $5,000 by the next time I talk to Barry, right? And I did it, and that was pretty cool. I had to use every, you know, that wasn't just teaching, but that was every method I had. I just didn't want to be stressed on the way back to the States. You know, it's always good to have a little, like, uh, in the coffers when you're moving just because weird things come up. And, yeah, I was uh, able to do that. So, yeah, I did burn the candle at both ends for a while. But it's just amazing the number of things that come up during, like, the average... it's crazy how difficult I'm reading this book and this guy makes this point where it's like, you will never be without problems in your life. There will always be problems. The question is, are they good problems or not? And I think these are good problems because it's going to end up with me leaving the, leaving Costa Rica, which, you know, it's been a very wonderful country, but I, I've worn out my welcome here. And, uh, They, uh, it's, there's just little things like okay, I have a bunch of money, right? But my debit card isn't here yet. My debit card was lost in Prague. I ordered a new one, the from the airport in Prague. The second I realized it was missing, because that that had all my back, not my backers' money, my investors' money on it, right? And I, I just I couldn't take the chance, even if I found it later. Well, I never found it. Um, I canceled it, and I ordered a new one, and it's going on 26 days. The Costa Rican post office has not brought me my card. Um, they say it's in transit the entire time. So, <laughs> you know, I'm in this weird thing where it's like I can't cancel it and get send for a new one. I guess I could and show up in Laughlin, Nevada, and get it. I don't know, Barry. What do you think should I do? Should I just keep
1: waiting? See if it comes out. Well, the fact you're moving, you should probably be better phoning the company and explaining that... It's not here, you are going to move, and what do they suggest? Yeah, I, that's, yeah, that, that's what, see, this is why I surround myself with adults. I am not an adult, I was raised, wolves. <laughs> because it is and, possible uh, it's been intercepted in the post as well, and someone's tried to use yeah, it. Yeah,
2: oh, like, that's a good yeah. point, that's a good point. I'm yeah. pretty sure it's going to be here the next day if I cancel it, though, is the thing. Like, I'm just...
1: Yeah, after just, talking about it, it's going to arrive tomorrow.
2: Yeah, no, we'll see about that. Now, uh... No, there's, I mean, there's just been a lot of, like, just goofy things that come up and, uh, you know, like my dog's paperwork to get out of the country has been more of a hassle than I realized it would be and stuff. But, yeah, you know, I'm pretty happy to be getting out of here. It's pretty, uh, I got, uh, I got a plane ticket. Check this out, Barry. Okay. This is, this is the plane ticket I got. Fly from here, San Jose, Costa Rica, to uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, from Las Vegas, Nevada, after I'm there for a few days, to New York, uh, because I'm just going to camp out on the other side of the border before WPT Montreal, and I'm going to chill out there a bit, see some friends. Uh, From New York to Montreal, from Montreal to Las Vegas, how much do you think that ticket was? Three Three countries well you
1: sound by the tone of voice like it's a really great yeah, deal it's a good
2: deal what you, how long so do you think i can
1: it i'm gonna say 720 yeah, yeah, 590 590 oh, well. isn't that insane though no. i mean yeah, yeah, yeah i'm yeah. happy uh, it's amazing some of the cheap deals you can get especially if you shop around like with this kayak and expedient yeah, airfare watchdog is another really good one i never even heard of that but i imagine they do all pretty same sort it's the domestic flights in the US that are always so cheap. Like if you mm-hmm. if you fly to Vegas and you want to stop and like even from Edinburgh, if you want to fly to Vegas, mm. you can work in a stop in New York for Seventy know,
2: bucks. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: like, yeah. Something like a hundred pounds, something extra you could spend three, four days. So you're like, Well, when you're flying there, if you can't afford it and you can get the time, then you may as well do you know, a right, few nights the, the whole somewhere thing. else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I
2: mean... Uh, by the way, guys, we're doing a little movie magic. I had to run to the restroom to expel myself. Uh, I'm a little sick today. I'm. Uh, that's the other reason I've been not sleeping that much. I've been. Uh, it's really weird. Do you ever get to the point, Barry? Like when you get sick, you're you're out for like five, seven days, right? Oh. Uh, like uh, do you, when you get sick, do you get really sick? Because you don't. I've never heard you sick like ever. So you must be. One of those guys who, when you get sick, it's a big deal, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Touch with it's like that's it what usually, yeah, it's it's usually something. But I've not been actually sitting, you know, in a while. So yeah, you gotta just do you, yeah, it just comes and goes.
2: Do you like, think that's because of our jobs? Like, where if we take a day off, it
1: just costs us.
2: It, it, I don't know.
1: I think it's a thing like when you're working, if you're doing a lot of like on all the time you sort of, I think you, you're producing more, like, adrenaline and cortisol, stress and all these different things that, and like, my girlfriend's the opposite, she, like, work really hard, you know, when she's doing her uh, shows and things like that, and it's, like, after a month, you know, of, like, hard, solid work, like, 10, 12 hour days or more, and then at the end of it, like, within two, three days, like, sick, you know?
2: Yeah, of it's, course, it's your body just... That happened yeah. to me after a poker tournament, like after, like after WPT Prague, uh, the final table. Like my body caved in on.
1: itself. Oh, I, I was sick before the day two. I remember last time at that tournament, I was oh, actually God. sick. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, that's Five right. Five minutes before it started. Yeah, that's that the last. Time I yeah, was but sick. you get
2: it, it's really weird because in my. You know, my ex-wife used to joke, like, Alex doesn't get sick. And then people would be like, ha-ha. And they were like, no, no. As you get to know him, you'll notice that. And it's not that I wouldn't get sick. I just, well, okay, I got sick in the last couple of days. And my, my routine was essentially do what you can. Uh, and that was, you know, like the really big things that I had to get done. I did the appointments I had to do. But the rest of the time, I was just in my bed sweating, right? And I, like all the covers over me and uh, just sweating out, whatever it was. And then a day and a half, two days later, I feel totally fine now. I'm totally – I I do need a bit of time to, like, recover, but I I feel more or less 100%, which, you know, I'm really grateful to God with. But it's interesting how when you're younger and you're, like, you're in school – you, you know you get like a sniffle and you're like oh, I'm out today You yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm cool like and then when it's on you and the money's on you
1: it's uh it's a little different you see you start thinking yeah. you know I don't know sometimes I I take it as if my brother jokes with me like, I can't remember what it was the last time but I think I I don't know if it was sick or I just like hurt my shoulder or neck or something like that yeah. he said to me uh Oh, that's just that's you, just an excuse now. So, tomorrow, and then you can take the next couple of days just lying on the city watching films or whatever. And I was like, I don't need an excuse to do that, I do that far too much. <laughs> <laughs> I do that far too much, but it is. It's like you can justify it to yourself, like, all right, I'm not well, I'm going to just take it off. You know, luckily, I'm in a position I can just go right. I'm not doing anything today, and I'm doing that, and I kind of enjoy that sometimes, you know, it's like, of course. I almost embrace the illness, which is a dangerous thing because you sort of you kinda like subconsciously wanting to be ill so you can actually stop yourself. Like because you know what it's like, when you work from home, it's like me, I'll sit down. I'm quite good now at nights like switching off and just watching a movie or a show or whatever and just leaving it Mm. and not doing anything. But in the early days like when I was just starting to rebuild and whatever, I would literally finish, sit down, try and watch something. And I'd be on my laptop checking out prices of things or researching stuff or sitting cleaning things that I was then away to sit, you know, and just constantly moving and working and whatever. And that eventually resulted in me, like, I, you know, like, experienced, like, I I never thought I would, but I was, like, close to, like, full-blown anxiety, you know, attack. And I was like, right, right, I've got to just chill out and stuff. It's hard when you work for yourself, whether it's poker or whatever, but... Especially home-based things because you're in this constant cycle of working,
2: right, resting,
1: sleeping, eating, and enjoy trying to enjoy and switch off in the same place, like the same cage sort of thing. It's weird, right? You know?
2: Yeah, so. and if you make that place your hell, it'll become your hell. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. yeah I with myself, I try to make my work weeks pretty intense, uh, but. but I enjoy my job quite a bit. I, I don't mind working 70, 80 hours a week. Um, actually, my goal is 60 hours a week. That's always been my goal. And people say, you know, oh, that's a lot. Well, 60 hours a week means 12 hours a day, five days a week. That's not. If you really enjoy your job, you might just go 14 and not notice, right? Especially if your health is okay. Well, and I, I said this to another guy, there was, a, there was some kid who, I, I mean, like, I, I'll be honest, I'm going to butcher this story because it's been a long time, but uh, it, there was some kid who I was, I, I was paid to coach in a group, and he said, you know, like, why should we listen to you? I've been playing for two years, and I did this, this, and this, and I was like, I said, 12 hours a day, five days a week, 51 weeks a year. 17 to 29, I have 37,000 hours on you. When you get to that point, I will listen, okay? And I wasn't trying to be a prick, but I really needed him to shut up, you know what I mean? Because that's just, it's very disruptive in the class, right? I, I, I did not appreciate that. But 12 hours a day, five days a week, that still gives you two days off to just veg out, watch football, chill, go for a hike. But... I always forget that two days and that's something I've really been working on lately and it really helps. And the other thing you have to do is take complete weeks off and not, I think you have to be outside of your environment. You know, you have to get it because like you said, your house becomes this little cage where yeah. everything happens. You have to get out of here and that can be a poker tournament too. Like I, I love playing poker. I would play poker for free. It's mm. just like, it, it's just like a uh, golfing. And, and,
1: and yeah, sorry to interrupt you. No, so just about go back to what you said at the uh it was an empty sorry anyway so yeah um to go to them he was just talking yeah i'm just being polite um at the end of the day we started this conversation at the start by saying like problems and whatever and whether they're good problems or not mm. these are all good problems i don't want people thinking this is too entitled brats right, right, right.
2: like right. going
1: oh poor us like alex is a way to travel to vegas in new york and back to <laughs> montreal and I'm going away to Macau and China and stuff in March. And, like, don't get me wrong, I am so grateful and happy and whatever. But, yeah, it's taken, like, a few years of crap as well to get oh, there. Man. So, um, yeah. and the other thing is, it's kind of like everyone thinks it's, like, utopia. It's not. Like, people that are in nine to fives maybe listen to this saying, like, oh, what I would do to give that. Well, when you bitch about your boss or maybe some other guy at work or whatever, that's a problem for you. And, like, to me and Alex, sometimes not switching off or getting sick. Or well, that's the big, huge issue yeah, exactly. for us. So. And, um, Everyone's got their own stuff, you know what I mean? It's like, and it is intensely
2: scary to work on your own sometimes because this is, what, this is what you hear when I complain about my problems, my dream, my dream, my dream, my dream, right? This is all I hear when you complain about your 9-to-5 problems, health insurance, sick days, 9-to-5 I don't get 9 to 5. I can work at any time I want, which is a blessing and a curse, which is when I'm – there's no point I'm done. It goes on forever. And it is very difficult, especially let's say – so I leave here in a few days. uh, I'm probably not going to get much rest. I'm probably not going to get as much sleep as possible because – most likely, there's something I need to be doing, and it's not going to be getting done unless I do it. And it, it, that's why I never knock anybody who's coming into poker, and they're like, "Yeah, I like my job. I'm keeping my job, but I want to play poker on the side." I honestly think that's the most mature thing you can do, because once you quit your job, you don't have, you know, people say like, "I don't want to work for a boss," and it's like, uh, you're you've heard me say this before. When you quit your your job, becomes uh, your boss becomes the water bill. It becomes uh, the TV. It becomes health insurance, which now you're going to have to pay something higher because you're self-employed. It's going to become your mortgage.
1: Well, it, it's like you've just boxed yourself in because you don't. You can play poker part time. Right. Exactly. It it's not like you can't work in your. your you can't keep your current job part time or whatever. You know, unless right. they want to let you for hours or whatever. So if you can on the side build a bankroll or whatever, or get to the point where you're that good that you're making more money than at your job, then it will naturally be like, right, well, I can take the, the sort of the jump. You know what I mean? But right, um, right. yeah, you kind of, it's kind of, I, I'm a believer though as well as if people stay in a situation and try and do things part-time as well, it sometimes doesn't work because some people- That's a good point. Can, some people can do that, but some people need that sort of like, Right, this this is the only game in town. Like, I've lost my job, I've no option now, I've got to do this and that. Whereas when people are doing it part time, it does just stay a pipe dream or whatever. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you've got to accept that it's that as well, you know, and not be like, Why am I not playing the main event and why am I not at Aussie Millions? But well you work full time and you're playing poker five hours a week or whatever. It's like Yeah,
2: that's tough too. But I mean at the at the same time, Every card room I go to around the world, there's four or five engineers who play three hours a night and their wives kind of accept that's his time. And then they come home and they're really good parents and uh, they're really good husbands. Those guys can play some badass poker. <laughs> like, those guys are tough to beat because they're not afraid of anything. Because yeah. if they lose this buy-in in the next seven buy-ins, it doesn't matter. If I lose seven buy-ins at a 5-10 game... I'll, I'll live, but I'm not going to be happy. I'm going to be pretty pissed off. A lot of these guys have enough money set aside because they use financial devices from a very young age that by the time they're 44, they got, they're doing pretty well. you know. And mm. I, I always look at that as professionalism. It doesn't have to be in poker. Just what is a professional is always what I think of. I, I got a letter from a professional gambler when I was, I, I want to say 20, 21 years old, and this guy's a professional horse better in the United States. He's one of, like, five guys who has like a, makes a considerable living from it, right? And, I mean, this guy is 80 hours on, right? And he knows who's juicing the horses, what horseshoes they're putting on, were they able to get from this stable, this, uh, you know, this little thing they can put on the track for when the guy practices. I mean, this guy is a machine. And he said yeah. to me, you are not a professional, just so you know, you are not a pro. You're, 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 you're learning the game, and that's fine. You're very good at poker. I've played poker with you. You're very, very good for your age. You're not a pro. Stop calling yourself a pro. And I didn't know what he meant at that time. You know, I was like 21 years old, and I had six figures in my name. I was like, F you, old man. You know, but uh, he was absolutely right because I didn't have money in the savings. I didn't have health insurance. I didn't spend quality time with my family. I. Let all those things kind of go to the wayside. But at the same time, I do believe there's something for what you said, which is there's sometimes I think if you have no dependence, I I think if you have nothing going for you, like there there is like one of the most exciting times in my life was living in Seattle and average, trying to make it as a poker pro and like eating the two dollar. Noodle dish at the Vietnamese place because I couldn't afford the 5.99 teriyaki down the street on 45th in the U District, and I look at that time very fondly. And people said, "Well, you must have been terrified at that time," and I was like, "No, I was going after my dream. You know, wow. I, and I I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I will always have that. I will always have been broke on the streets of Seattle chasing my dream. That will never leave me. That that is." My part of my, that is a part of my life that was very profoundly moving. And it, th- that being said, whenever times get tough, I can't go, God, I wish I could go back on my communications degree right now and just get a job, you know, something like that. I don't get that. I, I, I have to be more on my game than any of you guys. Because I've got no backup plan, I've got no rich family to go back to. Like my mom will let me crash at her duplex, which she won't get rid of. But like you know, I'm not gonna be doing that for a few weeks. You know, that's that that wouldn't be that wouldn't be that smart. You know, so ah, hell, man. It's a great ride. Let's answer let's answer some people's questions. I'm in a good mood now. Thank you guys. I appreciate yeah. it. That's it.
1: And uh, look, it's cheap therapy. Yeah, it's uh, very cheap. It's <laughs> very cheap. <laughs> Okay, this one is from... Actually, no, I'm go. No, we'll do this one, because this is good. This is a good opener. Okay. I was going to wait and do this one after the hand history, but we'll do this one. This is from Ricky, and it's... Hello, I was listening to an older show by you guys, and you were talking about downswings and bankroll management. Mm -hmm. It really got me thinking on what is possible in terms of downswing when you guys talk about 200 or even more buy-ins to play MTTs. Can you expand on what sort of downswing is possible? Now, before we get into that, I actually... It's weird how stuff like that happens, but just a few days before this guy emailed this question, I was actually reading this article by this like trader guy that does you know, financial markets, and he put up this table. I don't know if you've seen these, but I, I assume it relates to, You can just easily relate this to poker as well. It's like um, it's the win rate down the... Uh, y axis mm. and the percentage probability <clears throat> of successful losing trades within a 50 trade period along the the sort of uh, I'm going to put it in the blog notes as well for the show so people can actually see so basically oh, okay. it sort of looks so i, I would just subs, i would, what i did is was substituting win rate for roi which is the same thing um, right. and probability of x successful losing trades within a 50 trade period so you would just say within a 50 tournament period you know like 50 games or whatever and it's like if you look at it with uh i mean what's an amazing like what's a current amazing roi alex for like standard like MT for an average winning mtt i I know where you're going with this let's say 40 percent. right so and that that's a beast isn't it that's a a very good player these days Right, so the probability, with someone with a 40% ROI, the probability of uh, successful losing tournaments within a 50 trade period or whatever, right? So you've got 100% for two, Mm -hmm. like in a row, 100% for three, 100% (laughs) for four, 100% for five, 97% for six, and then it goes all the way down to... So the probability of a a eleven successive losing tournaments within a 50 Mm -hmm. tournament period is 14%. And you would actually say, I mean, that shows you like, and just looking at this graph, it's like when you say, and if you take your win rate down to even like 20%, which is still a great win rate and whatever, Mm-hmm. you're going down to, like, 100%, 100%, 100% of 9, 10 losing periods right. to, to 11. So if you even substitute that for cash games, you know, like a buy-in Ooh, sort of thing, yep. and what your win rate is at cash games, right. it shows you that, like, mathematically, it just is one of these handy little things that just reinforces the fact that right. right. if you don't play totally rolled, then... There is a, ch- a high percent chance that you're just going to go broke anyway.
2: Exactly. You know I mean? Well, I talked to a trader. I'm really blessed in my job to get to meet a lot of people from interesting backgrounds. And the only trader I've talked to that's clearly just a genius, right? He's he probably would shirk that term, but he's clearly pretty. Uh, and genius to me means knows your limitations and works very well within that, right? And he was telling me. I, he said something along the lines of the market has variants that will outlast your bankroll. It, it was something like that, right? Oh, well, I asked him, this was after the oil crisis, right? And the, what do they have in uh, Russia? It's the ruble. The, the, yeah. yeah. And yeah. That, that had gone down 50%. I took a look at Putin. And I took a look at his people. And I was like, you know, one thing you can't say about the Russians is they don't, follow their leader and get to work. I think this economy is going to rebound. And I talked to him and he, he made, he didn't tell me to not do it or do it. I was going to invest a lot of money in that currency. I didn't end up doing it. That was completely my fault, not his fault. And Of course, I would have made a fortune <laughs> off of it because it rebounded like three months later, like in what the Washington Post was calling a miracle. I was like, nice, Alex, nice, you know? And then, uh, but he was talking to me. He was saying a lot of the money he makes is just, you know, like he, he looks for bread and butter bets and it's something like he knows the stock's going to rise based on this stupid little stimuli that's going to, you know, generally when like the weather's nice, things go up and stuff like that. And it's just stupid stuff like that. Right. And he gets like 10, 15 bucks and he, you know, he, uh, he he's just he's made a really good living, like with the smallest bread and butter bets, as small as humanly possible. Right. And even he, you know, he's got the house, the kids and all that, you know, and he's been doing it for years and years and years. And he's still, you know, it's still tough for him. And he's like the lowest variance guy I know when it comes to trading, right? Like the the very, very bread and butter bets, right? You want to get to what other people are doing, like some of these big investments. It is going to be tough, right? And, yeah, to take this to poker, in my book, The Myth of Poker Talent, Uh, I put a graph that said, I think it was, uh, uh, let me see if I can remember this. I had a guy with a 40% ROI playing the Sunday Million every Sunday for 10 years. And I believe he did not show a profit 44% of the time is what my simulation told me, which I didn't make myself. I made on pokerdope.com, which you can see the variance there. And that's just by virtue of the huge fields, right? When they used to call me in to, like, backing stables, and they said, we're on this wild downswing, I don't know what to do, uh, all I would just say is get off of stars. Get into yeah. 50-person tournaments, get into 100-person tournaments, turn them loose, tell everyone they're never going to play on poker stars again unless they do this. And uh, you're, you're, you're expected to have two guys leave you in makeup, so write it down, expenses are going to be you know, 4000 to 20000 depending on who, li- who leaves. But however bad you think it can get in poker, it can get worse. That's the long and the short of it. And uh, I think you can mitigate that very well by moving down religiously. And I, I don't even mean like, okay, I only have 186 buy-ins for this level. I'm going to move down to where you're going to 200 buy-ins. People used to laugh at me all the time back when I became like big, scary poker player. And I'd go back to $20 sitting goes, sometimes I just wanted to feel good. Sometimes I just wanted to grind $20 sitting goes. And if I did lose, I I didn't, you know, it it wasn't the end of the world. It was like, you know, 120 bucks or whatever. I I lived. And then I, I would do that for a few days. Eventually, I'd have a day where you know, I made like 500 bucks and then I went to the movies and I had 400 bucks on the week and it always reminded me, oh yeah, I do this. This is my job, right? And then uh, generally though, uh, your risk of ruin, if you want to go to pokerdope.com, you can run it. It is a lot higher than a lot of people expect. And all you can really do is play small fields, all you can really do is really work hard every time you're playing. Control what you can control. Don't worry about the variance. Worry about how much money you're socking away. Worry about your savings. Uh, another thing is nobody cares if you're running bad. Nobody. Never bring that. And the reason I have to, this is the hardest part of, with my students, is like they'll be complaining about a downswing, and I'll, I'll have to look them dead in the eye and go, nobody cares. Like literally nobody cares. And – uh the reason I have to do that is I can't let you bring that home to your girlfriend or your wife or something and ruin your relationships. It's, uh, it's not fun, but uh, it happens, you know, it's, uh, and uh, I don't, that, that, that didn't play a part in like my divorce, but like there were certainly like girlfriends I had before where I was on the top of the world when I was winning. I was really down when I wasn't. And you know, to their credit, they just, you know, they got sick of it and they had every right to. And they, you know, uh, we get into some blowout and I can't remember who left who, right? But uh, yeah, and um, it was uh, uh, one time I clearly got laughed. But it, it, you want to take that out of your relationships. You want to make sure you're playing like the lowest levels you can stand. And remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You can play poker till you're 80 years old, there's no rush these big poker tournaments are going to be there forever. They're only going to get bigger as online poker kind of fades out in a few places. You know, I I mean, I think online poker has another like 10 years of being really amazing. And then I think there's going to be some really smart people that are going to make it very resistant to like right now. There's like super smart people behind America's card room. Now, a lot of people are like, you know, a lot of people say like, "Well, America's card room has had growing problems." Like, like no, they make a very fair game, and uh, they're very vigilant. I know the people personally; they're very into their product. Obviously, things aren't always perp- perfect, but it's a lot of the old Benny Binion. Here's a fair game. Put your money down. See what happens, right? And we're not trying to, you know, we're we're, we're going to take our little cut, but we're not going to skin you alive like Poker Stars is going to do, right? I think more people are going to come into it with this attitude. But there's going to be a transition as, you know, everything gets fractured with a different, uh, you know, once it comes back into the States, it's going to be a little fractured. It's going to be a little fractured between different uh, legislative bodies. And, yeah, yeah. It, I, and I think live poker is going to have, I think it's going to have a bit of a resurgence. And so all those big live tournaments you're looking at, during that period of time, live poker will have a resurgence, and then online poker will have a resurgence. And I think it's going to be, especially once, like, China... Like, I don't, okay, I'm getting really deep into this now, but I don't think communist China is going to last. In the old days, you know, if you got one TV with a broken dial and you lived on the coast, you might get one Korean uh, television source. They have all the... <laughs> They have all the media from all over the world, and they know how everybody else is living. So I think China is going to move to a free market system at some point. And you've got to remember, that is a billion people, right? And India is rapidly modernizing. I'm very against what they did with the monetary system, where they just cut out the small bills. By the way, did you hear about this, Barry? Did we yeah, talk about yeah. this? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, that's 2 billion people coming in, and they like poker. They do like poker. There's a lot of them that like poker. It's just a matter of, you know, getting the technology to them and all that, right? And then, anywho, it, it, I think it's going to have, it's, I think you got 20 years for poker. Poker's going to have leaps and bounds. Don't rush yourself. Play what you're comfortable with. It's, uh, if you feel like you're on a downswing, that's kind of the hardest thing because nobody, nothing's ever going to teach you how to get out of a downswing other than getting out of a downswing. And uh, the big thing is you can get out of a downswing with just pure luck. You just keep burning the candle at both ends and then you win something. That's the worst thing that could possibly happen to you because you're just going to keep doing that with more and more money. And I, I have some buddies that did that and – I mean, like, one year they had half a million dollars. They had a million dollars. And next year they had nothing. You know, so yeah. you don't want to be like that. Just take your time with it. Play below your bankroll. Save some money from your job. Keep your job. Get your, get your degree. It's a long game. Doyle Brunson got his degree. Chip Reese got his degree. I believe Chip Reese got his degree. Yeah, Chip Reese got a degree. All these guys got degrees, you know. They, and, uh, you know, go to college. Work on your social skills. Work on your uh, work on your networks. Be social. The game is always going around on around you. Enjoy, enjoy it while it lasts. Because you you think like it's going to be really fun when you get there. The really fun time is the come up. When you're coming up, it's really really fun. Once you get there, it's it's still really fun, but it's uh, it's lonely at the top. It's a (laughs) joke. It's a jo- I mean, it's a job. You know what I mean? It's a, it's just like any other job, and you know, you got the, you you got to you got to be on point. Like the IRS, like if you fudge up like a 30k score, like they're gonna be pretty patient with you. If you're on year 11 of being a professional poker player and you messed up some paperwork, they're not gonna have any patience, right? It's gonna come out of your pocket, and then you know the, it, you start. You start like dating and stuff like as a poker player and realizing how weird that is and how, you know, it's it, it becomes it's a different animal once you get there. Right. And then, by the way, there's no guarantee you'll get there uh, it's, and there's no guarantee you'll stay there. You could be knocked off at any point.
1: Uh, there's. I can't tell... Well, let's be realistic. I mean, the odds are against you anyway. Yeah, if yeah, you, yeah. It's real, yeah. There's more people that play poker. There is less... Per, you know, Was it? The 1% or the 2% or whatever that are the big winners. Right. And the rest of the people are really raking themselves or playing against themselves and, and going broke slowly. Really, exactly, You know, exactly. it's, it's no, true. Essentially, you
2: all should be like Carlos Welch. And, uh, I mean, like, Carlos Welch travels the country... Anybody who's going to teach him, he's going to listen. He keeps his expenses really low. He puts some money on the side just in case. Uh, He makes really long-term investments that are really good. He educates himself every day. And, I mean, I, I know I use him as an example a lot, but I don't really have that many, like, good friends from poker. He's a really good friend because it's like you see what that hunger does for you, right? By the way, he's not raking in the money, but he's getting a lot better at poker since I met him. You know, he's getting... And if he ever does pop off, he'll know what to do with the money. And, yeah, the odds are stacked against you. That's what makes it so fun, you know, yeah. because if you make it, oh, my God, dude. Like, you, like the, you, will. there is nothing in the world that compares to how you feel when you master something that literally tens of millions of other people are trying to do and they can't do it. That's a, that is an incredible feeling. You will never, ever... And you'll take that with you everywhere you go. Things aren't going well, you'll remember you did that, right? Which is why I just, you know, I, I get worried about people just really on this, you know, the superficial stuff they're into, like TV shows or... uh <laughs> My, my friends are trying to get me on these, like, dating apps and crap. I'm like, what happened to just, like, asking a chick out to a coffee? And it's like, well, I can't do that. I'm like, yes, you can. Like, you know what I mean? You're just hiding behind your computer and crap. And it's like, yeah, no wonder you all treat this like, you know, space invaders or something, you know? And it's just, like, you know, and that's all cool and well and cool. But, man, you're trying to become the best poker player you can be. Do that with as small amount of money as possible. You get enough of the lessons. You'll just have one day, it all kind of opens up, you know? It's only been this last year. I went to play the WCP main event. I want to say I was 250 pounds. Uh, There's one amazing photo, if I can find it, of how fat I was. Um, Divorce, pretty, you know, my my ex-wife had pretty much said she wanted the divorce like a week ahead of time. Really not that healthy. Not sleeping that well. Obviously very depressed. Uh, still cash the main event because my training is so much better than these other people, and that that's from a lot of scraping by, living in crappy places, uh, playing the smallest games I could. Uh, if you're on a if you're on a downswing that affects you, that's your fault. You're playing too high. Uh, it, you need to kind of it's kind of like going up Mount Everest. You have to make different base camps, right? And wait till you get used to the air at that camp. And then uh, you got to go up to camp two, camp three. And then you got to go for the summit. And you might not go for the summit for 20 years. You know, I'm I'm, t- I'm 11 years into my career. I'm not even going to Vegas right now to try to make it happen. I'm going to Laughlin, Nevada. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably the Vegas stuff will come a couple of years later, you know? So, I mean, it's a... It's a long road, but it's a fun one. I think you'll enjoy it. Just uh, yeah, yeah, and um, take a look at that site pokerdope.com. It gets uh, it gets heavy.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna say just I think just to make sure that people are reading the right info on that. I just if you want to see that trading uh, return win rate stuff, I said just Google uh, trading, you know, risk of ruin graphs and stuff, and the Google images will pop up a hundred of them. I think you should go to pokerdope dot com, is it, Alex? Yeah, yes, poker yes, don't, don't, com, yes, sir. Uh, or check Alex's book, Myth of Poker Talent, for that table as well, just to sort of hammer it at home that, like, wow, you know, you, like Alex says, that's an extreme example, but you can easily play any tournament, not just the Sunday Million, 200 types and lose, and, and you know, not final table I mean, that's not even out there, you know? Yeah, I mean? yeah, it's,
2: it's a... Yeah, well, I, I had,
1: yeah, you could also
2: make the final table and completely screw it up like I've done with the Sunday Million. You know, yeah. and, uh, yeah, and, uh, that's, it's part of the game. I mean, th- the funny thing is you'll hate all this stuff on the come up. I, God, dude, now that I've gone through so much crap, like, I'm, I'm not even talking about my divorce. I'm talking about, like, you know, I mean, <laughs> coming from where I'm from and seeing what I've seen, just being in the game is so meaningful. Just even, even on its tougher times, you know what I mean? Like walking out of the Rio, smoking a spliff, pissed off because i bust my 60th uh, poker tournament in a row or whatever it was. I look back on all of that fondly, you know? I mean, it's, you, you come up, enjoy the come up, man. Play as low as you can. Don't, you know, get, get people to buy pieces of you, keep it within the bankroll, you'll, you'll have a good time, man, just have a good time, enjoy every minute of it, remember, a lot of people don't even get to do this, so yeah. it's, uh, it, it's fun. Alright, let's do, like, we got a hand history this time? Yeah, we got,
1: well, we got, uh, we got a hand history and we got a quick question here as well, so let's we'll do, do the question. Okay, let's do the hand history then, the question. Okay, okay let me grab that then, because that's on the other notepad. Okay, so. you got notepads? So old uh, school, Barry. Oh, so, no, a notepad on an iPhone. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, here we go. This is from Rob. Uh, hello. Uh, I have around 15k at 150 and 300 blinds. Mm-hmm. I make it 750 here in early position with 5.5. Five. Okay. Mid, mid position jams 6,175. Mm-hmm. So around 20 big blinds total. Mm-hmm. It folds back to me. Do I call the 17 big blinds extra here, leaving me with an 8.5K stack, which is still 28 big blinds, or do I fold and keep my 45 big blinds? Any information? Excellent
2: back- excellent question. Uh, what was this guy's name? Rob. Rob, thank you, Rob. Great, great question. Uh, this is a great example of... Y- you put this in Flopzilla. All you have to do in Flopzilla is put his jamming range to the left... And then you put your hand underneath dead cards and it's going to show you how much equity you have. And if uh, hopefully on your hold of manager, you can just read that number. But if you want to know how to get that, you do your call divided by the size of the pot with your call added into it. And it'll show you how much equity you need there. You actually do have a call there sometimes. Uh, There are a lot of times the guys shoving wide enough that is a call. It is, uh, if we were playing pure chip EV, it would just be a call if you're playing a cash game, right? In a tournament, that's not a call because, one, your stack has a ton of maneuverability. It has a lot going for it. Uh, and, two, the chips you're going to be calling off there are worth much more than what you stand in the game, ICM-wise. not every, The reason it's called independent chip modeling is because each chip changes value based on the contours of the poker tournament based on what's going on in the poker tournament right now and that can be very learning about that can be very illuminating and it, it can also be super frustrating just because a lot of the ICM guys don't really seem to agree on many things and they they, they do propose some pretty preposterous folds which I'm not really in agreement with that being said this is one that's really helpful which is this is one that is uh really helpful in that you just understand that the chips that you're the chips that you're risking are worth much more than what you stand in the game and i don't think your maneuverability your advantages in the poker tournament are going to be so profound that you can gamble here this was something that was very popular in 2006, 2007. You'd hear a lot of analysts at the time in poker discuss, well, he's going to gamble here, but he'll take over the poker tournament if he wins. I don't really know many guys who are that good anymore, and it's not that there aren't still Phil Ivey's in the world. It's just that everybody else has gotten much better. People are much better at three-bet semi bluffing They're much better at calling down. And it, it, you just can't take over a tournament the way you used to. You, you do have to take your time, which is fine. That's another way to play. Uh, but it, that really cuts down on the potential advantages from calling there. So since we're cutting down again and again the advantages from calling there, and it wasn't that good spot, good of a spot to begin with, I, I do believe you should have folded there. Thank you for the question, Rob. That, that was a really good one.
1: So, like, in summation, what you're saying is for going from 45 big blinds to 65 is not really, you know... That's a perfect if for, way to pay. If
2: 45 to 65 does not change your tournament. Yeah, whereas 45 40. to 20, 25
1: kind of yeah. does.
2: Yes, it does. Yeah. That, that puts you... You can no longer free bet. You can no longer double barrel. You can no longer do uh, many yeah. things. And, uh, I mean, you imagine trying to make this more... It, it, if you can imagine, uh, like a, like a, it, it, I'm trying to make a very ridiculous analogy. Let's let's put this to soccer, right? If a guy could become 20% faster on the soccer field, it it wouldn't be nearly as advantageous as him becoming. 20%, 30% slower would be disadvantageous. You see what I'm saying? Like it's just, it, it, It's such a big deal when you get below normal function in a game, right? This is like in baseball if they sent you up to the plate and you had half a bat as opposed to a bat that was like 20% longer, right? It's not going to help you that much, the addition, but it is really going to hurt you if you take the disadvantage, right? So... And this doesn't exist with cash games. That's why if you run this on Card Runner's EV, a lot of times it will say it's a it's a profitable play because Card Runner's EV literally assumes you have billions of big blinds, you know. You just yeah. it's a it's a cash game and you can yeah. do whatever you want. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, there's I say I mean too much. Forgive me, guys. But there's uh, there is a chance I think Card Runner's EV is running a bunch of new tournament stuff. That's really interesting. I haven't fully explored it. ICM-izer has that stuff, and that's really interesting. I've taken the nuts and bolts assumptions that I know 100% from it and that from those programs, and that's mostly what I teach because, to be honest with you, ICM, I feel it is very difficult to describe potential of growth. It, it is very dis- difficult to describe the essence of a poker tournament through mathematics and these guys are doing what their work is very important but i don't know what to teach from it yet, except there's probably
1: situations that it's applicable but like you say the overarching thing is survive you know i mean it's like right right
2: well and there's there's many times i know and i see i i'm working with uh probably one of the best mathematicians in this we're, we're making a uh book well essentially he made a book about staking i contributed a few funny stories and some real life experience from staking and i mean this guy's the best with the monte carlo simulations and essentially anytime he's overseen some of my investments things have gone well uh but it, we, we can get into these long conversations where you know his math uh his icm charts say you should do one thing and i, I completely disagree Right. And I, I just disagree based on my 10 years of experience in poker tournaments. But I can't put that into a numerical value. Whereas, and honestly, if you guys, they didn't show much of the final table at EPT San Ramo, But a lot of my ICM strategy at San Remo, if you read the updates, they're just going to say Alex has moved all in like six times. The reason for that was, the range I could move all in with was actually pretty liberal because with the average stack size of 18 big blinds, nobody could really call me that. Uh, if you were calling with ace-queen offsuit, given there was a really good chance two or three guys were going to bust in that first like hour, you, you, really, you really were not making a great call. And I thought the other guys knew that. So I did what I wanted to do. I got up to 25 big lines, and I got into my big flip that was supposed to help me take over the tournament. It didn't. I lost the flip. But uh, I, I wouldn't take it back how I played. And a lot of that was working with the, the Germans when it came to the ICM. So that, w- that was cool. Now, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but, like, yeah, I studied a lot of my poker in Germany. I, I, I traveled to Regensburg to, like, study under another guy when I was 19. And then I lived with only Germans in Malta and discussed poker with them. I I think one of the few reasons I've lasted... Of course, I'll never hear the end of this now that I've admitted it, but I think one of the few reasons I've lasted in poker is I did get the German logical... uh, the very German-like logic logic game uh, introduction to poker. And thinking of it as a game and these questions of logic has really helped me and whereas i i think americans really we try to equate poker with like sex and driving you know what i mean
1: (laughs) you're either good at it or you're not
2: damn it you know and that's it that's not always good but yeah okay what's that last question
1: Okay, last question is um, I was thinking of a, a play on words there. I was going to say uh, were they the master ace, like <laughs> ace, not race. You know, is that what that's what the that's what the gang that's what the gang was called, master ace. I'm wearing master ace, incredible rapper. Yeah. But like,
2: there's a where I was in Regensburg, like what was it? Like actually, I think I think they said something like Hitler's like crow's nest, like where he was was like down the street or something I don't, I don't actually it was in bavaria no 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 it wasn't down the street but it was like nearby and i was like yeah. you look around and you're like jesus christ this is where that dude was like that's, yeah. that's a weird yeah. thought you know and then yeah anyway anyway
1: okay uh let's get into this last one is from mike uh hi guys i would like to i, I would sorry i would like this issue to be discussed on the show if possible I have trouble playing a 20 to 30 big blind stack in tournaments. I sometimes call in the big blind as I'm priced in and maybe get myself into trouble. Or say I open early 8-8 or king-jack suited or king-queen ace-jack type hands. Again, how I proceed with 3-bets or post-flop. Sorry if this is not clear, but it's not clear to me when I'm playing either.
2: No, and it's It's not clear to a lot of people. Um, I, I'll, I'll give you one thing that always trips me up, which is if somebody 2Xs your, uh, your big blind, and with your, like, if you're like 15X on down, if you get it in with top pair second pair on the flop, you're almost never making a mistake because you have about 70% equity versus the average open. Mm-hmm. It still feels really weird, though, to call 2X, check, jam on 2X, like 13X but if you check raise to six X you're committed anyway. Right. I mean, you could, you could, you could make it six X and jam the turn. I like that play a lot, uh, too, but it it feels weird, right? Because it feels like these chips are very precious and I'm getting them in with very thin edges. The, the thing being, it's kind of a rubber band here, which is yes, your final 15, 16 big blinds are very precious. Uh, in 20 to 30 big lines are, it's pretty, if you can learn how to play that stack, you will, learn, you will win poker tournaments. But at the same time, you do not have the time to, you do not have the time to be waiting around all, always. So if you find a good edge, you, you do need to go with it. Uh, some, if you're playing live, some really good notes for you to take are, does the guy double barrel at all? If you see that the guy double barrels uh, quite a bit, uh, that is not somebody you really want to be calling willy-nilly versus it when you're in the big blind. Or if you do, you have to have the plan to call down. If you see a lot of pot controlling, those guys are pretty easy to play against because generally when they have the hand, uh, they, with 20 to 30 big blinds, they check back a little bit more than perhaps they should. That that tends to be a live thing. The online guys know they have to get you in. Uh, Online, it's really easy. It's just looking at the guy's statistics. Uh, You know, what's his turn double barrel? Is it 50, 60, or is it like 30? And uh, if you can find this stuff out, uh, I I think you're going to be in really good shape. Uh, The other thing, check raising is a big issue. If you do believe the person is opening 20, 25% of the hands and they're c-betting the majority of them on the flop, with 20 to 30 X, I love that stack for check raising because if they want to three bet you, it's all in. And uh, most guys, well, here's the thing. Have you ever three bet all in with a high in your life versus a 24 X stack that check raised you on a King a four flop? Have you ever done that, Barry? No, no one's, no one's done that. Whenever I see that at a poker table, I'm always like, nice. Right. Because I've never seen it. Right. And then I'm not even being, like, patronizing. Everybody always thinks I'm being really condescending, right? But I'm not. I'm I'm truly, like, really proud for the person. And the reason for that is if you go on Flopzilla and you have a guy folding ace high, a lot of times he's folding 58% of the time, even if he plays every other pair, right? Or 58 or 56 or 54, depending on the board, right? Sometimes even more if you have him folding, like, bottom pair and stuff. It goes north of 60. And uh, your check raise a lot of times you don't even have to check raise the size of the pot. You just have to put it into that territory of, okay, buddy, we're playing for the whole 24X here if you want to come along, right? It's going in on the turn or it's going in right now. And if you put somebody in that spot and it needs to work 46% of the time and you're gambling on the guy not jamming ace high, then it's going to work 58% of the time. You, you have a very nice edge there. Now, let's look at the two investments you just made in that hand. You, you called pre-flop, and given the race sizes by a lot of people, there's almost no chance you did that unprofitably. And then on the flop, you did a play that needs to work 46% of the time that's very, very likely to work north of 50% of the time. Even if somehow this guy figures out he's got a call with some high cards or like a gut shot or something like that, he's still probably not clearing the necessary number of hands played to play back at you, and so you just made a profitable play, and that's it. That that allows you to neutralize your positional ad, advantage. Uh, you're just putting up a wall. Uh, obligatory Donald Trump joke here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't come up with one. I couldn't. I'm not quick on the draw this morning. Uh, but you're putting up a wall there, and if the guy goes through it, he has a hand, and they're going
1: to pay for it, and they're
2: going to. that was actually that damn it damn it that was the play that was the joke that was the joke anyway yeah Yeah, but yeah i got it i got it you got it it. yeah (laughs) Uh, i'll leave it to the scotsman and uh yeah i mean uh, that's that's really if you can mitigate those factors how often the guy is barreling how often you should be check raising and Uh, knowing what the guy likes to do post swap. I I think you'll do just fine with those stack sizes out of position when you're not in out of position. I find many people are doing three bets way too much with 20 to 30 big blinds. And that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because there's a lot of (laughs) people call 22 X all ins way too frivolously. You can, you can wait uh, a bit. Right. Like I, I especially when I play live, like I see a 22x all in and like King Jack calls. I'm like, OK, all right. And th- there's also people call off too much when you bet for value. Really focus your attempts on the later positions. And if there's somebody three betting you pretty wide to your left, just adjust your opening range, like drop out the ace. Eight offsuit from the cutoff if you're not jamming that. But do raise, put it in with Ace 9, and you'll go home and put that on Card Runner ZV, and you'll find it was a pretty juicy profit. And even the Ace A probably was as well. And um, I, I guess that's a short overview of how I look at those things. Uh, if you, uh, oh, I got to talk about Test Your Poker too. Damn it, I should have said that earlier, but if you want to learn more about these kind of spots, I'd recommend that's a check-raise fool. Uh, there's a lot of discussion about check-raising in that video. It's uh, Yeah, you can just write me at alex.pokerheadrush.com. We'll discuss how you can get that. But, yeah, uh, everybody, all 10 of you still listening. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, no, uh, I have a webinar this weekend, Test Your Poker 2. Even if you cannot attend, a video will be provided to you. It is going to be 99 99. If you buy before Saturday, on Sunday it goes up to 149.99 because we always like to reward the early adopters. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a really good time. There's a preview. Oh, I'll send I'll send the preview to Barry. And if you guys don't got money, don't worry about it. I get so many emails. Uh, to give you an idea of how nice our fans are, Barry. And by the way, I always cringe when I say fans because that makes me that makes me feel like Michael Jackson or you know what I mean, like a pop. I, I guess I don't have a better word. Like our fans are so nice. I get all these emails where it's like, I'm broken. I'm in college and I'm eating like noodles, but I really wish I could buy something. No, 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 no. That's what all the free stuff on YouTube is for. <laughs> you don't need to, you know, and obviously if you come into some money, I, I'd really appreciate it. If you guys want to invest in poker coaching, you come to me, but that YouTube channel is there for everyone who ain't got it. You know what I mean? But until you do got it. And, uh, uh, you can check out a Test Your Poker 2 preview, which I thought looked pretty snazzy. I was very proud of it. Barry, I love my job. I was up all night making that video, and it looks so nice. And it's there's something to be said for creating, isn't there? You know, because once it's done, it's done. It's just like. There's, there that is, you know what I mean? It's a thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah like a, some kid in Mongolia probably downloaded it, so now it's going to be around forever because it's going to be on somebody's hard drive, you know? And then, and yeah, like historians will look, poker is bigger than chess and will continue to be bigger than chess, just the way that there's movies like Searching for Bobby Fischer right now about chess, and there's guys that are legendary in chess, There's going to be that with poker over the next hundred years. And I I just I get so much gratification and so much satisfaction and contentment knowing they're going to look back. They're going to see those videos and they're going to go, hey, this guy really wanted poker to grow. And he was he was putting this stuff out for free. That's weird, you know, because I I do think prices for consulting are going to go up as, you know, there's going to be more guys like me coming in in the next 10, 20 years. I got I got really lucky because my mother's an educator, so I got to watch it all the time, growing up, you know. So I think that helped me. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's check out that video. It's uh, it's fun, man. It's like an hour and forty minutes of just free content.
1: And, is that on YouTube? yes. Yeah.
2: Yes, sir. It's on YouTube. Test your poker too. Just you can type that. I'm gonna I'm gonna send Barry the link. Yeah, it'll be better in the blog. Yeah, shopping. and it's a, it's got a snazzy box. I love the boxes, man. I love, it's so cool. You get like a Pakistani kid. They're like, okay, the price is two bucks, and I'll be like, how about I give you ten, buddy? You know, like, how long is this gonna take you? An hour? Okay, I'll give you ten bucks, right? And then they're like, ten bucks, sweet. And then they like they haul ass on the box, and yeah, it's it's fun, you know. I don't. I, would you feel good about that? Paying like a Pakistani kid two bucks an hour? I didn't feel good about it. I didn't just. because oh, I, I,
1: I got the money, you know what I mean? I I'd offer him one fifty and work from that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you evil <laughs> evil globalist. You evil globalist. No, I uh, I don't know. I just I told myself if I ever had money, I'd pay people what they. Uh, what they're owed. Uh, you got you must think tipping
1: in the United States is absolutely insane, don't you, Barry? No, because the service is brilliant. I don't mind it. Oh, I, I don't mind it at all. I what I don't like doing is just people expecting tips. Yeah, I, I tip
2: zero tips or
1: anyone. I I tip I tip I only tip in the UK if the service is brilliant and really really good. I'll tip right, if, right. really good. if their face is tripping them and they're just attitude and it's like. No, I'm like, I'm not tipping. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean... In fact, I've even asked before for, like, standard gratuity in some restaurant in the UK. I was like, what? The guy was terrible. You know, I was like, sorry, like, could you take this off? I don't think it was worth it. Wow,
2: that's strong.
1: But but the flip side, like, we were out for food a few weeks ago, and I gave the guy, like, the waiter, a 20-pound tip, and the bill was only, like, you know, 28 quid or something. Right. You know what I mean? But he was an you know, Eastern European guy. He was absolutely amazed. Everything was good. Closed. Good, and we, we had a problem with the food as well. Like, the state, there was, I complained. said about changed it again. God, I sound like, like a right demand. No, you know, no, was, I mean. Uh, but, you know, it was bad, but he was so good and handled it all great. And I actually said to him, I said, do you split the tips here? And he says, no. I says, well, that's for you. I says, good, because I'm glad you don't split it, because, like, you deserve right. it. No, no. Like, no one else does, and like in Vegas and that in America, honestly, I kinda, I I've never had bad service in this state. I can't remember. I love, remember how
2: I bad I love American servers, man. I I had, I tip zero more than most Americans because most Americans are te- terrified to tip zero, but I my average ninety eight percent of the time I tip twenty five percent because it's really just random. I'm not working as a waiter. You know what I mean? Like if I came into poker a little later or something, you know what I mean? Like there's a, uh, and uh, yeah, it's a, uh, what was the, it, I, I remember one time I had a server in Vegas and some guy like barged in and he said, ladies first, sir. And then he went to one of and I just, I was cracking up, right? How well he did that. And it was like, I, I was just, and I was thinking, hey, this guy's educating my dumbass friends, you know, who constantly manners are such a lost art in the United
1: States. Do you find that in
2: the States? like we're, we're just kind of yeah. bark. So,
1: we bark. Some, it. some situations I would say again, but not in terms of service and whatever, but the average um, customer or punter, like in the casino is, yeah, like. Whole, i mean i hold doors all the time and nobody says pee, anything nobody <laughs> does anything i, I usually fill people up for it i'm usually i usually say oh thank you yeah yeah and they just like what like you spoke to me and it's made it awkward but i'm like i live on that edge of awkwardness Alex. i love me <laughs> I, I say that to my girlfriend like she's sometimes like i'm like are you in back she's like no it's fine i'm like ah, see that uncomfortable space that i put people in i live i thrive on that
2: you know, it's like, i mean that's pretty neat <laughs> in business i'm i'm usually too i'm so i'm such like a beaten child nobody ever says thank you when i open the door in the states so i just yeah. i don't expect it
1: the best time i can't remember if i told it on the, the podcast actually before an, an older show um we went for food like my dad's birthday just last year um june last year and it was like 12 or 14 of us out, you know, a massive table. Me, my brothers, my dad, like, nephew, everyone. And we were there. And this place, my dad had actually ended up booking the wrong restaurant. He thought it was somewhere else. And, and I was wondering why he was going there, because it's not a great place. Like, it's, just like, <laughs> it, it's just, like, standard, you know, but, but it's family-friendly. So I thought, maybe because, like, some of the younger kids are there and, yeah. you know, whatever. So we go, and the food was, I mean fucking awful like <laughs> I, I i didn't even you know i was i was picking at things to try and just I, I was starving i was like actually that's inedible this is terrible and the guy comes and the service was crap and this young manager comes he's like was everything okay and i says to be honest no i says mine was terrible i mean i, I was disgusting. he was like oh what do you mean that and he was just not you know, he didn't even apologize straight away or that and he got to the stage and i just says i put it this way right if you want the actual I wouldn't have fed that to an animal like a dog. Right? It, was, <laughs> it was disgusting. And he starts looking at me, going like, you know, I mean, the guy's maybe like in his late twenties, and it's just constant rhetoric. And he's like, okay, I want to make this right for you, so we're going there now. What do you think? And I was like, well, you tell me. You're you're the manager. I mean, it's up to you what you want to do here in this situation, mm-hmm. you know. And he's like, right, what about if we do this? And long story short, he started like this or that and all we kept saying was I want to make this right for you or whatever right? and now there's like a couple of other tables looking at me like basically with this guy and I swear Alex I just I says listen mate I'm going to make this really easy for you I says you've got me standing here in a restaurant haggling with you over a mistake <laughs> that you've made and the substandard food that you've for out I'm feeling like I'm haggling what I'm paying you so I'm going to make it really easy for you I'm only paying for my drinks, I'm not paying anything for the food, and if you want to ban me from the restaurant, that's fine, So I won't be back anyway. Smart, and smart. his face was just like, okay, just the drink, and my dad was, my dad's really the opposite, he was like, oh, wait, I just fine, mine's was fine, you know, I'll pay, even though he was moaning about some of his. Yeah. And then my brother starts going, yeah, mine's is the same as his, so if he's not paying, I'm not paying. And Alex, it turned into this fucking, like we were a big table of white Beauty. trash, you know. <laughs> and, I, and I just said, I just said at the end, like, right, there's the money for. What was that? You know, two coat, like right, three pack, like right, there you go. buy, I'm off. You know, and just left. And everyone's doing that. And eventually, the guy ended up just the whole food bill was cleared. It was just drinks paid for. Wow. And my dad. And wow. I think he actually ended up wiping some drinks a bit. That was a situation of just how not to handle customer service, and it really frustrated me. But really, like America gets a lot stick, but I rave about the service. I say it when I come back every time. I'm like, you go there, there's never a problem, it's like they're psychic, you're just the way ask for something extra, like, hot sauce, or a bit of lemon for your seafood, and it's there, they're coming over with it anyway, it's like, you know, it's amazing service, I don't mind tipping these guys.
2: I I don't mind tipping, I understand why some people from other cultures wouldn't uh, understand it, but yeah, it's kind of the old American thing, like, you earn your wage, right, and, uh, but in the old days, I remember, like, my grandfather didn't tip a lot because he'd just say you didn't, you didn't earn it, young man. You know, and, it, like, that's kind of gone in the States, which I don't like because I, 99% of the time the service is impeccable and I just tip 20%, 25% or whatever it is, right? But yeah. then, there's one time out of like, actually, it got to, like, one time out of 10 a few years ago. I don't know what changed, but everybody just kind of was like, hey, I deserve a tip. And, like, I I had a guy, like, follow me out. I had a guy, I took a girl, um, she was, like, her dad owned, like, CNN Taiwan or something. It was, like, worth, like, $200 million, right? And I was just, um, I I wanted to kind of nail this, so I took her to a really nice restaurant in Seattle. And the guy, like, took one look at me. I was, like, 19 at the time. And you could tell he was, like, oh, this guy's not going to tip. And, like, we didn't get drinks. We didn't, you know, the guy didn't come around. Our food came cold. And when I left, I, I didn't tip a thing. And the guy, mm-hmm. like, came out in the parking lot, and I had to have it out with him in the parking lot. I was like, I took uh, a girl I was dating here for our first date here, and you made it an awful experience. You should be paying me, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm going to, you know, and this is before Yelp or anything, right? And I was, I, I was like, honestly, I, I, you should be thankful I didn't call your manager and try to get you fired. Because, like, and yeah. he was a snob the entire time. And all that, and the guy wanted, and the guy seriously was like, "You should give me forty bucks before you go." And then I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to cuss in front of the lady, but I was like, "Buddy, you can, you, you can go f yourself," you know, yeah. like, and I, I got, I, you know, and I, I, it was just bad, right? And there, the the only, it's so funny, you brought a mistake in restaurants. I have to tell this story, but there was one time. Okay, my sister was graduating high school, and I, my mother gets a lot of ideas which involves me spending money. And uh, she decided we were going to have a graduation party and I was going to pay for it, right? And I was like, okay, where do you want to do it? There's one Italian restaurant in our town that was really good. And I was like, cool. So we went there. Best experience ever. The servers were amazing. They were talking with us about movies and everything. Uh, They were like Johnny on the spot with new drinks. They brought out some, like, new dishes they were doing. And it was just awesome, right? Well, I, uh, I, you know... I was back in the States to do, like, a little celebration of my wedding, and maybe this was a precursor of things to come. I booked <laughs> the same place. I booked the same place, right, because we were having, like, 20 people. Food, at new managers, food was awful, service was terrible, and I'm not making this up. At one point, they pulled a wall away from our party, like, room And, uh, like, a metal band started playing so loud that nobody could hear. I was like, you book this during... I I said, you book this during, like, the party of 18. And they were like, yeah? I was like, you don't see the conflict here. Do you you think we all got together to listen to metal? You know, I was like, by the way, I'm a metal fan. This isn't good metal, right? (laughs) Like, this is really... Yeah, anyway ended up being terrible and overpriced. All right, enough stories about servers.
1: Yeah, if people are still listening, uh, Alex, how can people get to you, <laughs> uh, for coaching your products? Test Your Poker t- 102, isn't it? Test Your Poker 102.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Uh, t- no, it's not Test Your, it's Test Your Poker 2. We we uh, oh, Live poker, poker 102 will be ah, That's coming up. up. Yeah, that's coming up. Um, test Your Poker 2 uh 99.99 y'all want to sign up for the one on saturday but check out the free hour plus version on youtube right now just google test your poker too you'll see it should be the first thing that pops up a lot of people are they say it's like a free university class on uh on poker and i'm about to cough so excuse me (laughs) but not really the greatest pitch ever and if you want me uh, to write me about personal lessons uh, write me at alex at dot com or sasnowcoaching at gmail dot com, and uh, yeah, that's that's pretty. Oh, check out pokereduros dot com. I haven't been blogging because I've been working so damn much, but that's probably that's probably going to change uh, today. So you know, check that out. There's like new book reviews. There's new. Uh, the new battles and everything. Got a new battle coming up on March 25th in Fresno. If you want to come out and hear me pretend shoot another human being. Uh, Yeah, you can. (laughs) Actually, I'm retiring the gun bars. I'm retiring the cussing. I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to elevate with this one I have some nasty bars for this battle as
1: you just go into an America where it's really acceptable I know, I know. I know. To hang I'm, to be, I'm above
2: <laughs> it man I'm a I'm an enlightened cat you know anyway yeah
1: <laughs> well thanks for listening to this show I'm putting up with me an answer for now if you want to send me and Alex a tip, then paypalquestions.oneouter.com <laughs> uh, and I'll I split it with sense Alex. I a bit. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'll split the tips fairly. Uh-huh. I'll believe I'll, it when I see the paperwork, kiddo. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, anything, yeah. Thanks for listening. Keep your questions coming into to Alex on questions at com on email or tweet them at com, or post them in the Facebook group. Thanks for listening. And that little tail end, we hope you got some humor from it. It was... That's kind of like what me and Alex talk about when we start to stop the show and have like five, ten minutes just talking uh, bullshit and um, you guys got to listen to it. So uh, if you stop listening, that's fine. But <laughs> thanks, thanks for listening to that point. Until next week, cheers.
0: Salut. Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super-fast three-player online poker set-and-go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.